Welcome to Federal Insights, sponsored by Pegasystems. Here's today's moderator, Tom Temin. Welcome and thanks for joining us. My guest today is Peter Vander Putten. He is the director of the AI Lab at Pegasystems. Peter, good to have you with us. Yeah, great to be here. And everybody's talking about AI. Why don't you begin with giving your best thinking to federal agencies on how to get started in the first place? Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, like I think uh, I'm an AI guy, right? So I'm easy to get carried away with anything that smells like AI, right? But I, I do what I also kind of have learned. Uh, uh, you know, I've been I've been kind of let's say in the AI business already since the mid '90s. Uh, that it is really important to start with your let's say with your business problems first. You know, like uh, what what is it what you're uh, uh, yeah, what is it what you're trying to achieve here? Is it all about customer centricity? Uh, well, uh, citizen centricity, uh, or is it uh, pro- about providing customer centric service, citizen centric service, or is it more in the area of doing more with less, right? Improving your uh, productivity. So I think it is good to start with the uh, uh, with the business problems, right, and then and work your way uh, down to the uh, down to the down to the technology or yeah, I think maybe I'm not giving AI enough credits here. You know, it's not just technology, right? It's also a way of, it is also a way of working, you know, becoming more evidence-based as a, as an organization. So, Got it. And uh, so it's fair to say in some cases, the idea of the outward facing and the internal productivity questions, they converge in some public sector applications. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like uh, I think uh, ultimately it's all about the citizen, right? So I think uh, when you say I want to uh, make, uh, you know, uh, I'm uh, applying for a permit more seamless or uh, 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 or I want to provide better citizen service, yeah, um, then that's, of course, very much uh, aligned. Uh, there, there are things that are maybe more unique for pure kind of citizen centricity, right? So or, or constituent centricity, let, let, let's say, if it's not about just about providing service, but getting people to understand how to interact with the government in the first place, you know, what, what are some of the, the benefits I'm entitled to or programs that I'm entitled to, how to find my way, yeah? So nudging, uh, similar to how commercial companies are nudging their customers to their products and services, uh, the government could also take a proactive approach uh, in, in and really looking across the entire service offering and directing, uh, uh, providing a personalized one-to-one citizen experience where you point people uh, to uh, to to what the government can do for you. Uh, that, that's that's. But then you get more into the middle, which is more around providing better service experiences, uh, which kind of sounds like both good for citizens as well as good for efficiency effectiveness. Of course, ultimately, there's always back office processes that are quite far removed huh, from uh, from the citizen or which maybe have nothing to do with citizens at all, uh, but where we can still apply AI to become more, more efficient and more effective. And the implication there then is that this is not just an IT decision, but it seems like a total team decision on where we want to go next with our agency. Yeah, it's it's almost... I, you know, it's almost, uh, we're talking, you know, primarily to an, maybe to an IT audience here, but 
you know, hush hush, it's almost not an IT decision. Eh? So I think, of course, as AI, you want to be ahead of the curve with technology and, and making sure that um, you can provide the latest and greatest technology to the business while still keeping the lights on. It's maybe an interesting topic to talk about as well. Uh, but but uh, but ultimately, uh, it's the um, um, yeah, uh, it's 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 the entire organization that needs to think about what are our strategic priorities and how do I work down from those top level strategic goals towards hey, where do we want to become smarter about either how we want to do our interactions or how we want to run our our processes. And once you have made that decision where we're going to begin applying this first, then it's probably wise to set some realistic goals, achievable goals, but measurable goals, because I guess without measurement, how do you know it's doing any good for you? Yeah, absolutely. And it, it makes makes a lot of sense eh, the, the way you're saying it. But that's where things go wrong quite often, eh, because people are thinking about, like, oh, let's let's hire tons of AI people, AI engineers or data scientists or uh, whatever it is, and then magically uh, um, things will get better. Yeah, but but that's of course the wrong way. It's very easy to get lost uh, in in the wonderful world of AI. Similar to how a lot of organizations got lost in the world of data, right? So data is endless. You can improve data forever, and you will never be done, right? So it, it is much better to start with outcomes, like you say, and like what what are the um, what are the various parts of the organization where we want to improve yeah? and, and then work your way uh, backwards, but also in the way how you how you set up AI yeah, in these interactions or in these processes, right? So I think it's really um, uh, important to think in terms of uh, um, uh, feedback loops. Yeah? So uh, with that, I mean, it's like if, um, uh, if I make a certain uh, decision in a process, an automated decision in a process, let's say a certain application comes in uh, from a company or a citizen who wants to do something, uh, well, maybe we can already decide whether we can automatically approve it or not. But if not, we need to route it to the right team. Yeah? That uh, If it's a simple case to uh, the less experienced uh, worker, if it's a more complex case, maybe it needs to go to a, a special department. Well, are we also checking if we make that automated routing decision? Are we also checking that uh, the the, peop the people that receive that then say, well, ah, I'm indeed the right person to work on this, right? Or are we indeed checking, did they resolve it within SLA? And if we do, are we feeding that also back to the AI? And so in that sense, I think um, it's much better also to think in terms of these kind of small feedback loops and make make in that sense, uh, governments running a government a bit more evidence-based. Yeah, uh, uh, I think that will protect you also from these big initiatives uh, where, where you know, like um, you don't really know whether you're doing the right thing, right? And that could you can build it all the way back into kind of these micro applications of AI, where within one process, within what one application, you're making automated decisions what to do, but you also capture that feedback and. And did I do the right thing? And can I make sure that I feed that back to the AI so that it become so that it essentially also can improve? And how would you say artificial intelligence and its applications relate to this bigger question of modernizing IT? Because this is what every agency is also having to deal with. And there's money for modernizing IT. And 
everyone somehow feels like we've got to modernize. And so maybe tie that together for us. I think in most situations, people have the feeling there's no money at all. You know, like there's no money to to modernize and innovate and there's no money to to keep the lights on. You know, like there's the you're being pulled. uh, If I'm the CIO of some agency, I'm being pulled from both directions. Right. So from the operations people who say, well, we need to keep the lights on and uh, things are failing. And, uh, and, 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 and maybe uh, if I talk to my architects, they say, well, we have a legacy of 700 applications. Uh, how can we do something new? Um, but then we also have the innovation people, you know, uh, that, you know, uh, maybe certain promises have been made uh, to the outside world on how we're going to do things better. So that really feels like a catch 22. Yeah. Um, how can you innovate in such an environment? Uh, because the cool AI kids, they go like, oh, you, you just start from scratch. Well, guess what? That's not, uh, that's never going to work. Huh? You, you, you will not encounter a greenfield situation like that, especially not in government, right? So I, I think uh, uh, with that, you know, like pragmatic approaches can work well, you know, like uh, we sometimes talk about if you want to modernize, right? Uh, you shouldn't maybe rip and replace, you know, with these endless programs that we all hear about that take years and cost uh, hundreds of millions. Yeah, but but maybe you uh, need to think more in terms of rep and renew, yeah, provide a nice kind of modern agility layer on top of the existing applications. Don't start with ripping out all the legacy applications and uh, let, let the computers do what they're good at, talking to other computers, right? Put Put like an innovation agility layer on top. And that's where you can do the innovation around automation. That's where you can do the innovation around AI. Let it talk to the backend system, right? So, um, and 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 then and then over time, eh, you can do this kind of controlled migration. But but your agility layer is already in place. You got your business processes running there. All the interactions that the people eh, that that your employees who interface uh, with uh, companies or citizens directly. Uh, they 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 are used to kind of that that new layer where everything is happening, and then it becomes more a, you know technical debt reduction where you can swap out at your own pace as IT uh, swap out systems in the backend and start to start to renew uh, renew that and consolidate that to to make things uh, simpler. But anyone who's who's using kind of this layer on top, uh, they they won't even notice because from their perspective nothing is changing, right? So I think that's a much kind of more pragmatic and healthy way and this rep and renew type approach to go about uh, modernization. And then you can do the cool new innovation stuff like AI or low code automation uh, without having to replace everything, right? And and have these huge programs that run for years, yeah? Yeah, so Uh, a faster and cheaper way to the goal, you might say. Exactly, yeah. All right. On that note, we'll take a short break. My guest today is Peter Vander Putten. He is director of the AI Lab at PEGA. I'm Tom Temin on Federal Insights Month, sponsored by PEGA Systems here on Federal News Network. Are outdated processes slowing your agency down? Now is the moment to lean into rapid AI-driven innovation to boost productivity across the full customer journey with PEGAGEN AI. AI and automation do the heavy lifting so your team can focus on the mission. 
And with enterprise-ready governance built in, you can innovate with confidence. Learn how Pega is putting the citizen and the mission at the center of AI-powered decisioning. Visit pega.com slash gov AI. Welcome back to Federal Insights Month, sponsored by Pega Systems here on Federal News Network. My guest today is Peter Vander Putten. He's director of the AI Lab at Pega Systems. And I'm your moderator, Tom Temin. And it probably sounds a little basic, but maybe, Peter, we should start this segment with maybe a definition of AI because it's used so glibly and so ubiquitously, yet I'm not sure how carefully it's actually defined. No, I think that's that, that's a great question, you know, because, you know, like uh, we can easily get lost in, uh, in, in uh, you know, it, if it becomes everything, it's nothing again, right? So, um and there's, there's, there's actually, it, it is a complex, uh, multifaceted uh, topic. Eh? Um, uh, one way to talk about is like a little bit in detail. Well, what is it in terms of definitions, right? And the other part is more like, oh yeah, but what are then some examples of uh, AI capabilities? Yeah. So, um, and so on one side, of course, AI means artificial intelligence. Uh, when But when people hear that, they immediately get into the you know the Hollywood blockbuster mode, block, blockbuster mode of uh, AI that ta- that is taking over the world. Yeah? But AI could also mean augmented intelligence, yeah? where it's working shoulder to shoulder yeah? with an employee or even with a with a citizen, and where it's really about working together re- to resolve a particular task. It's not just about something that autonomously replaces someone else, right? So I think it's especially in a societal context. Uh, government, etc. It's that that's really important. Uh, the the other thing that's important is that yeah, AI. It's also important. It's it's accepted intelligence, right? So uh, we also uh, maybe you saw the Senate hearings, you know, like with all the AI moguls showing up and uh, talking about how we can use AI ethically and responsibly. Uh, there's a new initiative at NIST, right, to look at proper application of generative AI, but also um, the White House. Um, uh, also made a proposal actually for you know a policy proposal around uh, bill, a bill of rights for uh, for AI. So it's also important that AI is kind of accepted uh, accepted intelligence. So this is just a little play for me on uh, having providing some alternative perspectives on on AI. I think the other way to think about it is like what what are some of these capabilities, right? Because if we browse the the internet, we all think it's all about chat GPT or generative AI or maybe machine learning. But AI is about yeah, um, systems that that um, are, are you know solving tasks that otherwise might have looked intelligent in a way, right? So so it's also about making sense of data, uh, structured data, unstructured data like text, for example. It's also about not just the machine learning, but also the machine reasoning. Like if we need to decide on whether to approve a permit rules that come into play as well. And so we need to combine uh, uh, in that sense and also, yeah, uh, the more, uh, the, the, new, the new kids on the block and the machine learning and the generative AI with more like classical things like uh, uh, business rules or, or decisioning. Uh, how do we turn it into, into an overall decision? Also that, that respects kind of these ethical aspects sure. of and we've touched on it briefly a couple of times, but you can't really separate your AI strategy from your data strategy in some sense, because an AI algorithm without data is like a balloon with no air in it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 
Uh, so, um, and it's, I mean, it's an interesting topic huh, because um, it's tempting to just say, yeah, garbage in, garbage out, uh, data is really important, uh, et cetera. Because, uh, you know, I agree with that statement actually, but it's almost like an empty statement. Of course, uh, better data is is good, right? I don't think that that's the problem necessarily. I think government organizations have a lot of data problems. Uh, the problem of understanding that data is important is, is not one of them, yeah? I think people have that idea, but they don't know where to focus, yeah? Mm -hmm. There are so many places where data is wrong. Where do we even get started, yeah? So I think the sort of more interesting question is, indeed, where do you start yeah? with with what kind of data? And that that kind of is the key a little bit because then you start to unlock, well, maybe we shouldn't start at the bottom. Yeah, Maybe we shouldn't start with, thinking about data and then what are and then we'll sort out what we're going to do with it let's first make the data better yeah uh, we should maybe flip it around and think about like oh you know like uh what is our business priority like we said in the beginning yeah oh uh we want to provide uh citizen-centric uh service okay great in what particular domain uh permits uh or you know healthcare or whatever it is ah okay great so what kind of automated decisions do we want to have that would support agents or citizens uh, to to have a more uh, to direct them to the right services or to uh, have a more frictionless journey ah these kind of automated decisions ah okay so i need to apply these rules they require particular data i want to build this type of models that predict that understand the intent of the citizen what they want to do i need to do a little bit of nlp uh, natural language processing on uh, inbound emails and so you you work your way back from the top yeah and i think that's that's answering the the million dollar question of where do i get started right and it's not necessarily a big data requirement it's more of a correct data requirement fair exactly. to say small data is beautiful yeah because uh the other issue with data is maybe the smaller your sample sufficient to train the algorithm the less chance you could have bias into it because you can maybe handpick those data elements that you use to train it. But then the question becomes, okay, it's trained, it's clean, it's free of the biases that we don't want this to have. And biases can be any number of domains in which you don't mm -hmm. want that to happen. But then as it ingests data over time in production, uh, give us your thinking on how to make sure that the algorithm output doesn't drift away from that perfect mean you might have established yeah. the outset, let's say when you finished the training and the outset of the deployment. Yeah, great point. I think uh, first off, uh, like, um, um, and it's similar to what uh, the discussion we already had, I think even in bias, uh, fairness, uh, that's incredibly important uh, in a government domain, uh, that, that, that we're not treating certain protected groups unfairly. That's not an area where also where we want to start bottom up uh, with with the data. And we need to start top down and think about oh, what is the decision about? It's uh, about a certain, uh, you know, uh, maybe it's about um, being proactive about certain health benefits that people might that might apply to them, yeah, or uh, uh, deciding whether a permit is okay or not. Um, so we need to start with those automated decisions and then first make sure that we can detect bias. Uh, uh, can we run simulations where we can see, uh, indeed, you know, are we treating certain groups unfairly? Uh, and that could be, the cause for that could be multiple things, you know. Yes, it could be something 
that's inside of some of those machine learning models, but it could also be in some kind of decision rule that we built in, yeah? Because they're also based on certain assumptions. So they could also be a cause of bias. Or indeed, uh, it's not just when we develop these automated decisions that we need to look at, and you're saying, how do we make sure that beyond the development, and we also don't have things that are drifting. Yeah, so, th th so this is also, it's an exercise where we need to start with the automated decisions. We need to look broader than just machine learning models. We need to look at logic as well and rules, the entire decision. And like, uh, like you're, you're saying, we need to look beyond just, oh, we developed everything now, everything is okay. Now we can forget about it. No, we need to continuously monitor uh, uh, in all the decisions that are being made whether uh, whether there's bias in those systems and rules change quite often right so every time we make changes to rules or changes to models we need to retest again it seems like you should almost have a reference case or a set of reference cases that you run through the outset to make sure this is how we want the answers to be arrived at not yeah this is not yeah the and then yeah you could do different uh, what, what i see our clients do is multiple things at first uh, a historical data sets, uh, what, what are those previous applications or whatever. Uh, you, you can keep a data set like that. Um, and you can test on historical data. Uh, like uh, um, if I make changes to rules or models, do I get different distributions across different protected groups who are mm -hmm. accepted or declined to particular service, for example. Uh, but you can also simulate data. You can use generative AI to generate very specific data sets uh, that, that, are, that maybe have very specific um, uh, uh, setups yeah, of, of particular groups that you want to test even more. Uh, you can make uh, synthetic data uh, and then also test uh, your strategies on that synthetic data more for uh, more more for the more uh, boundary cases. Yeah, no, um, sure. uh, so uh, absolutely. So, so the real lesson here then is AI deployments are not set and forget. They don't run like old fashioned database query programs and you don't have to tend to them very much. These take both for ethical and programmatic outcomes, maintenance and constant attention. Fair to say? Yeah, that, that's absolutely fair to say. I think actually in, in that sense, we get back to the, uh, it's almost closing the, the, the circle behind me uh, because we get back to that AI in a way is also a business activity, right? Yes, you need to set up a whole uh, architecture and connect it to data and make sure it's plugged into those interactions or into those processes. But then it's an ongoing maintenance of new rules arrive, new models arrive, you know, and that that's 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 change at a not at the IT strategic architecture level or even at we deploy to particular project level. It's it's business as usual operations, right? So it's uh, yeah, our, our clients are changing these things on a yeah, literally on a daily basis, and sometimes it's an emergency change they need to be able to put through in in an hour. Yeah, so it's a completely different uh, cycle, a really right. operational cycle then. Yeah, so then the, it really belongs in that sense, uh, both to the program manager and to the IT staff to make sure they're in touch with one another to make sure that this machine that we've built is doing what it should. And and the problem owners. And uh, so if I'm in service, it's that area. If I'm in permits, it's in that, that other area. Or if I'm in health benefits and so uh, because ultimately the, the problem owner, uh, they, 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 that's where the rules and the models, et cetera, actually come from. Yeah. So in many cases. All right. Well, I want to thank you for a great discussion today. My guest has been Peter van der Putten. He's director of the AI lab at Pegasystems. Great having you with us. 
Awesome. Uh, uh, thank you for having me. And I'm Tom Temin. You're listening to Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, please visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search Pegasystems. Thank you for listening to Federal Insights, sponsored by Pegasystems on Federal News Network.